Well, you can head back to your seats, or if you didn't like the seat that you're sitting in or the person you're sitting next to, you can move to a different seat if you want, I guess, at this time. That would probably be the right time to do that. Um, we are in uh, the Gospel of Mark, and we've been going through Mark, and uh, we're in Mark chapter 5 today, Mark chapter 5. And for the last couple weeks, we have been um, looking at, uh, kind of launched off of Mark chapter 1, where Jesus walked into a synagogue, was teaching with great authority. People were amazed at what he was saying. They're like, we have not heard this teaching before. And then after that, he displayed the authority that he had by going up to a man who was filled with an un clean spirit and commanding it to go. And this person who had been, been carrying around this weight for who knows how long was set free in a moment uh, by Jesus. And so we have been just uh, looking at some stories um, in the gospel of Mark that pertain to the demonic, that dealing with uh, uh, unclean spirits and demonic uh, spirits. And so we are going to uh, continue in that um, by looking at Mark chapter 5. And there's going to be some uh, very practical things uh, that, I, that I share later. And so one of the things I just want to encourage you to do, um, whoever's up here, um, I like to do this whether I'm you know, listening to something on my phone or wherever I am, to lean in and listen to uh, not so much of like what I'm going to say, but what's the Lord going to say to you? What's the Lord going to speak to you? Because uh, the Holy Spirit like searches our hearts, knows our hearts, uh, knows the heart of God, wants to, to reveal more and more of Jesus to us uh, today. And that is the, the purpose of the Holy Spirit, to reveal Jesus to us, to, to exalt the name of Jesus and to reveal Jesus. And so I don't know about you. Well, I think I know, know you, but for me, I want to see Jesus more and more every single day. Because the little glimpse that I get of him, I know there's so much more. And so, Jesus, reveal yourself uh, in this place. Um, I don't know if you uh, have been following along. Like some of the guys have been. Um, but I don't know if you, you've uh, known that Dan Pierbolt uh, is not here today. Um, because he is out east, out in Massachusetts, and spent the night, while all of us were, were safe and comfortable in our own, uh, own bed, uh, Dan was running 50 miles uh, through the state of Massachusetts. Um, started at 9 o'clock last night and set off to run through the, the woods of Massachusetts for 50 miles. No one was making him do it. This was something that he willingly chose to do and willingly trained to do. And uh, the thing that has been uh, really cool to watch is, is Dan selected running and the pain and torture of running to grow personally, to uh, spend time getting to know like uh, uh, areas maybe of weakness and, and to grow spiritually, to grow his relationship with uh, Jesus. And uh, this morning at, I believe, 8.45, Dan uh, finished 50 miles, crossed the line. And here's a picture uh, up on, on Facebook. Um, doesn't even look like he's tired, <laughs> does it? Like 50 miles holding up that, uh, that medal. And he's like, I had, uh, he texted me and then texted some others. And he said, uh, I had no more energy. I gave all that uh, I had. And, I can, and I'm like, that's all you needed, you know, because you completed the 50 miles. You, you did it. But I have been, uh, I've run a couple times with Dan and one of the things that he has shared with me is that he um, can't believe that he can do what he is doing today. When he started running, he said he ran his first uh, 5K, 3.1 miles, and ran and came back to his truck and just collapsed, which was so exhausted. And he's like, oh, I can never run, you know, further than uh, 3.1 miles. And then that eventually bent, went uh, to 13 miles, a half a marathon, and then a marathon, and then today just completing 50 miles. And I thought about that, 
And, and I thought about like, okay, you know, take running out of the equation. Maybe you hate running. You're like, that sounds just miserable. And it's, you know, he probably is suffering right now. But, but take that out of the equation. Do you believe that you can do more than you think you can? Like, like Dan would always say, like, I, I can do, I, I, I'm blown away that I can do more than I thought I ever could. Because when I first met Dan, he was not a runner. He was not uh, the type of person that we see today. And I want us to believe in our hearts that we can do more than what we think we can. Now, I'm not saying that we can like, you know, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and do more. And like, this is a very humanistic message. I want us to realize that in Christ, we can do more than we realize we can because of Christ in us. When Jesus says, go, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you to the very end of the age. Do you believe that you have the ability in Christ to do that? And then when Jesus says in, in Mark 16 to go and proclaim the gospel to people, and also, by the way, these signs will follow you. You will heal the sick. You will cast out demons. Do you believe that in Christ that you have the ability and the power to do that? I think if I, if I think about myself, I'm like, okay, to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim the good news of Jesus, okay, yeah, I, I, I believe that I have the authority to do that and maybe should do that more and, and have more spiritual conversations. But for the longest time when it came to praying for people and delivering people and, and casting out demons, I'm like, that, I don't know if I have the power to do that. I want us to come to the realization in our hearts today that we have the power to do that. We can do so much more because of Christ in us, because the authority that he has given us. Back in the first century, this wasn't really a question. This was commonplace for followers of Jesus. And actually historians would say that this happened to people. People uh, would cast out demons. Uh, a guy by the name of Justin, this is what he said uh, up on the screen in 150 AD. So many, many years ago, um, Many Christian men cast out demons that cannot be cast out by pagans. Fast forward a hundred years, a guy by the name of Origen said this, many Christians cast out demons by prayer. Would go on to say that, that even women cast out demons uh, too. This was a very normal thing uh, for people in the first century, but I believe even today we're like, ah, I don't know about this. We raise doubt Tertullian in, the, in uh, 200, he said this, no, the noblest Christian life is to cast out demons, to live for God. He went on to say it was more enjoyable than going to a pagan play and shows of the day. Like someone, it'd be like someone today saying it's more enjoyable to go out and cast out evil spirits than go to a movie. And I would look at that and I would say, you know what? Being people who bring freedom who bring deliverance into people's lives, that is more enjoyable than anything this world can throw at us. Here's the problem. I wonder, and I really want us to, to think about this this morning, I really wonder, do we believe that we can do that? I, I look at my life and I look at, at the body of Christ and for so long I, in talking to people, yes, there's doubt that rises up, but, but I, I believe there has been a weakening of followers of Jesus. There's been doubt and discouragement and people look at themselves and go, I don't know if I could do that. 
I don't know if I could, could pray for a person in that way. And I look at my life and people would say, well, Dave, you, were, you went to school and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I'm just a dude from Southern California who fell in love with Jesus and have been trying to walk with him every day of my life. Like this should be commonplace that, that followers of Jesus are, are, are filled with boldness because they're filled with the Holy Spirit to go out and to bring freedom into people's lives. Romans 8 we know this verse, Romans 8, says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. The same spirit that we, we sung about and we, we celebrated that Jesus boldly walked out of the tomb. says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living inside of us if we are believers in Jesus. Do you believe that? More than just up in your, mind, up in your head, you're like, okay, that's a nice you know, thought. Do you believe it in your gut? Do you believe that actually the Holy Spirit is living inside of you? Or better yet, Jesus said, this is a promise that Jesus uh, declared. He said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there as well. And we say that, do you believe that right now that Jesus is here? Not in just some abstract idea like, okay, that's nice, but, but that Jesus is here. I think what needs to happen so it needs to move from just this, this nice theological idea or this idea to a practical reality in our hearts where we are every day walking in step with the Holy Spirit, saying, Holy Spirit, you are in me. You're the very Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in me. I'm walking in step with you. And Jesus, you are here. You're not just out there somewhere. You're like, you're like in me. And there needs to be a boldness, uh, uh, just a faith that needs to rise up in followers of Jesus where we are walking in the confidence, not in our own ability, but in the confidence of Christ. I just get this picture that, uh, that Christians today, like we as followers of Jesus today, we need a little bit of a backbone. Not a little bit of a backbone, a lot of a backbone. Like we're walking around kind of defeated and it's like, no, in Christ, there is so much that he has for us. So I want to turn to Mark chapter 5. And we're going to read a story of Jesus bringing just a, a ton of freedom uh, into a, a person's life. And I want us to ask um, ourselves, do we believe that this can happen today through us, through Christ in us? Mark 5, verse 1. It says, They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. Now, I'll stop there because it sounds like, okay, they just came to the other side. Now, if you remember, like right before this, um, Jesus, just the, the day before, he said, let's go to the other side. And uh, the disciples, they hop into the boat. They're going to cross the Sea of Galilee. They get into uh, the Sea of Galilee, and there is a massive storm that came up. And these guys, some of these guys that were following Jesus, they were fishermen. And so they were experienced in the sea. They knew storms. They had experienced storms. But this one was different because they're crying out to Jesus. They're like, we are going to die out here. And so the wind and the waves were so huge that uh, they were freaked out even though they were, were skilled fishermen. And Jesus is asleep in the boat. And they're like, Jesus, what are you doing? You're asleep? We're like, we're going to die. And this always blows me away because Jesus told them to go to the other side and then a storm came. They were obedient to Jesus. And even as they were being obedient to Jesus, there were troubles that came. If we're obedient to Jesus, it doesn't mean that we're going to live this peaceful, like, all oh, calm life. No, there will be storms that come. But the good news is that Jesus is with us, that he is with us in our boat. And so Jesus looks at the wind and the waves and he, he says, why? Like, where's your faith? 
And he speaks to the wind and the waves, and they calm down, and they're blown away. They're like, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Like, this is someone who's just so, so different. And so that happened just that very night as they're crossing the Sea of Galilee, and then they get to where they're going. And it says this, and when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, after they had gone through all of that, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountain, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. I mean, look at that. Immediately, after quite the night, he goes into this area, and here was a man with an unclean spirit. He was tormented. He was in pain. He was living in the tombs, living in a place of death. The the very place where the dead were buried, here he was living, which is where people who were very poor would live. And you you see this, that no one could control him. No one could bind him. No one could tame him. I mean, even that language makes him sound like he's an animal. Like there's nothing that anybody could do to control him. And as a result, not only was he not living in peace, the whole area wasn't living in peace. I mean, they would, it would be like you, you see this person coming down the road and you're like taking the kids in a different direction. They're like, oh no, there's that person that no one can control. Don't go downtown like it's not safe. Don't go in that direction. This whole region was under the control of someone who's being tormented by many, many evil spirits. But look at verse 5. It says this, Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. Does that grieve you? Does that break your heart? Can you get the picture of that, that, that man who was just night and day? It says, always crying out. There was absolutely no peace in his life. I mean, I get this picture that every, he's just constantly cutting himself. I mean, the depth of pain in this man's life. And this is the reality of so many. There's so many in our community, so many, you know, in our lives that are filled with pain. And does it break our heart? Does our heart grieve for the things that grieve the heart of God? Do we look at people and and do we quickly just pass by? Or do we look at them like Jesus stopped? He crossed the, the Sea of Galilee. He stopped and he saw this man because he was filled with so much pain. Does our heart break for people who are just living in so much brokenness? And one of the things we talked about the enemy um, last week, one of the things that um, is true of, of the enemy, of Satan, is that he is not everywhere. He's not omnipresent. Like God can be everywhere at the same time. Like God, there's nowhere where we can flee from the presence of God. His presence is everywhere, but not with Satan. You see throughout scripture, he is at a, a certain time and place. But then you think about, okay, why is there so much evil? Why is there so much brokenness? Why is there so much, so much pain? It's because of what we see in Mark chapter 5. There are demons that exist. There are fallen angels that are, that are hugely powerful. They show enormous strength through a person that they control. I mean, I've, I've heard stories of, of uh, people who have had kids that, that they, they've seen that have been possessed by evil spirits. 
And these little kids are pushing big pieces of furniture across the room. I mean, people who are, are filled with demonic presence, they are, they're, they're powerful. And they make themselves known by speaking through people. They bring pain into people's lives. And if you think about it, the enemy, Satan, he's not able to be everywhere at the same time. And so he unleashes his army to inflict pain and suffering on people. And how does he fill people? How does he affect people? Well, people can be possessed by evil spirits. There's possession. And that is where they are completely, completely under the control of demonic influence. It's this man that we see in Mark chapter 5. Now, I believe that a follower of Jesus can't be possessed by an evil spirit because it's an issue of control. And if we're controlled by Christ, Christ and the devil can't live in the same spot. And so I don't believe as a follower of Jesus we can be possessed. But the next thing is uh, habitation. Is if we give the enemy a little part of our lives, territory of our lives... The, the demonic can get into our lives. It's what we talked about a couple weeks ago. Don't give the devil a foothold. That there can be parts of our lives that are habitated by demonic spirits. The next one is oppression. This is how the enemy uh, works in our lives. Demonic gets into our lives. There's a spiritual attack that is constant in our lives. The next one is being harassed. Where it's just like a, a, something just like a little bugging you like flies around your head. The other day I was at Drip Coffee Shop talking to somebody and there was a fly that was constantly around their head and it just was bugging them. And that's what it means to be harassed. There's, the enemy harasses people. Just doesn't like constantly come and attack, attack, attack. Just harasses, just bugs. And then the last way that the enemy works through demonic influence is through temptation in our lives. And so here this man, he was being attacked. He was possessed by demonic spirits, completely overwhelmed. So many of them being tormented, and Jesus comes, and he sets this man free. And you almost get this picture that Jesus crosses the Sea of Galilee, has his disciples go with him just to see this one man, just to see him set free. And look at what happens in verse 6. It says, when he saw Jesus from afar, this man, he ran and he fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had, been, who had had the legion, sitting there clothed and in his right, man and the, right mind, and they were afraid. Do you see the, the freedom that the presence of Jesus brings? Jesus steps into this man's life, and he's sitting there after Jesus delivered him from all that possessed him, the evil that possessed him, and he's sitting there, and he's in his right mind. This is what Jesus does. He comes into this man's life. He doesn't criticize him. He doesn't say, like, how did this happen? He sets him free. This is the kingdom of God at work. 
Jesus said, if I drive out demons by the finger of God, you know that the kingdom of God has come. And you see the power of Jesus, the authority that Jesus had. He came and the the man ran to him and ran and they fell down before him. They recognized him as the son of the most high and they responded to him. They begged him and and they obeyed him when he sent them. I mean, this in in Mark chapter 5, when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, this is the kingdom of God at work, setting somebody who had been oppressed and possessed by evil spirits for so long, so tortured, all of a sudden, in a minute, in a second, he's set free. And I look at this, and this is what we want to see happen in people's lives. We want to see freedom. We want to see deliverance. But how can we be people who bring freedom into people's lives? How can we be people who participate in that? And the first thing I would say is that in order to be a person who lives, who brings freedom, our lives have to be all about Jesus. The first thing is that our lives all have to be about Jesus. You know, this is Jesus' ministry. This is what he does. He comes into a person's life and he sets them free. And Jesus is still doing that today. This is his ministry. I get so uncomfortable when people come up to me and say, um, uh, oh, I, how's your ministry going? Or I want to pray for you that, that God would bless your ministry. Or I get uncomfortable when people have their own ministries. Because I believe that only one has a ministry, and his name is Jesus. And I understand what people are saying by that, but I often can think we can, we can lose sight. We can get our focus off of the real person who has the ministry, and it's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It will always be about Jesus, and it's his ministry, but he works through people like you and I. He he today, where is Jesus at? He's working through you and me. Like, look at Colossians 1. Paul says, this is the mystery of the gospel. The mystery of the gospel is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Like, do you believe that that Christ is in you? And if you believe that Christ is in you, do you believe that you always have something to give? Christ is in us. Christ is in us. Like Acts chapter 9, the whole story of Saul being um, confronted by Jesus. Saul, who was a persecutor of followers of Jesus. Jesus comes to him and he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I always found that to be an interesting question by Jesus. Like, Saul's not persecuting you. He's persecuting your followers. But in that, we see this beautiful picture that Jesus closely identifies with his people. And so where is Jesus today? It's the mystery of the gospel. It's Christ in us. And because of that, you and I have always have something to give. Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, they go to the temple, uh, and they go there to pray. And they come across a man who had been crippled since birth. We know the story. Like, they walk into the temple, and he's begging, and they're like, this this beggar asks them for money, and they said, look at us. Like, we followed Jesus for three years. We left our jobs. We don't have any money. We're broke. But they look at him, and they say, silver and gold we don't give you, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And they pick him up, and he walks, and he's seen jumping and dancing, celebrating the Lord. You always have something to give. Do you believe it? As you go into school, as you go into work, as you go into different places and you see brokenness, do you look over your shoulders and be like, oh, I hope God brings somebody into this person's life? Or do you realize that Christ in you and the Holy Spirit has led you to that person to bring freedom into their lives? You and I get to participate in the ministry of Jesus. Are we 
doing it? Are we looking for opportunity to set people free? The second thing that I love in this passage that's very practical when it comes to deliverance, when it comes to seeing people set free, I love that because of the authority that we have in Christ and the picture that we have here of of how Jesus operated, Jesus simply commanded evil spirits to leave. There was no debating, but there was a command because of his authority. Look at that. Look at at his interaction in verse 8. He says, he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? Jesus is just speaking to him and saying, this is what I want you to do. In other places, in Mark chapter 1, Jesus commanded, be silent and come out of him. In Mark chapter 9, what we'll look at next uh, week, Jesus said, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. And then in Acts chapter 16, we see that followers of Jesus, we see Paul who was being harassed by a slave girl who was possessed by an evil spirit. Paul looks at her and says, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. When it comes to deliverance, when it comes to dealing with the demonic, it is not a prayer to God, but a command to an evil spirit ordering it to come out. And that's backed up by the authority of Jesus. In my experience in, in dealing with people who are, are, um, were demonic, were, were possessed, it's interesting, the, the, the handful of times that I've done this, I've seen that the, the enemy likes to create quite a stir, likes to create quite a commotion, likes to create a scene to bring about fear. But the cool thing is greater is he who is in us than the one who is in the world. And so you have the power in Jesus to look at them and to command them to be silent, to be quiet. And the beauty is that, that that's where the backbone needs to come. It's like it's the faith, it's, it's the authority of Christ in us. They will try to make a scene. I remember one woman uh, who was at the end of a service uh, at a church I was years ago in the front of church after, church after we got done worshiping and people were heading out into the lobby, all of a sudden started to manifest a demon, was shouting, was yelling, I've never seen a church empty so quickly. People were going out, they're like, I don't know what to do. And there were people that were yelling at her, and there was this big commotion. And I just remember, like, the, the enemy wants to make a scene, wants to cause confusion and fear. But because of Christ in us, we have the authority to speak to it and command it to be quiet in Jesus' name. And I sat with this woman who was yelling and screaming, and I just said, be quiet in the name of Jesus. And it was amazing because she could not get any words out. This horrible voice that was going on, I just commanded it to, be, to stop in the name of Jesus. And it was like this wrestling. I'm like, huh, it works. You have more power in the name of Jesus than, so, than the whole universe. And she was unable to, unable to even say anything. And I think that is absolutely powerful and something to remember that there is power in the name of Jesus. We don't have power. Our own human ability doesn't have power. There's power in the name of Jesus. And so because we are in Christ, we can simply command them to go. Now, there are times when in deliverance, there will be uh, the, the enemy will try to lie and try to deceive and confuse. And so you have to just speak to it and say, be quiet in the name of Jesus. Stop lying in the name of Jesus. Identify yourself in the name of Jesus, just like Jesus did here. And I think as far as of Jesus, we need to take our cue from Jesus and do what he did and look at them and command them to go and bring freedom just like he brought freedom. 
There's a man that I was able to uh, study under for a little bit. His name was Francis McNutt. He was a, a Roman Catholic priest, and uh, he was doing deliverance uh, conferences and, and healing conferences, um, and he'd go around and, and, and teach as a Roman Catholic priest. And uh, one day he did this conference, and he uh, uh, met this woman and uh, fell in love with her, and so he had to leave the Roman Catholic uh, priesthood, and, uh, and he uh, married her. And then uh, he had this, he had a, um, I was going to say a ministry, that would have been wrong. He uh, was bringing freedom to people in, in the name of Jesus, and he would go around and he'd deliver, bring about a, a deliverance and healing. And this is what he said when it came to bringing deliverance in uh, commanding things out. And I was able to sit under him for a little bit, and he said this, this is how he would uh, approach those who are filled with uh, demonic spirits. He would say this, say in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you spirit of whatever you're dealing with to depart without doing harm to the person or anyone in this house or their family and without making any noise or disturbance. And I command you to go. And I'll get to that little part. Do you believe that you have that power, they have the authority in Christ to do that? To simply command, just like Jesus commanded, to bring freedom. The next thing, and I think we see this in this passage, because of the pigs, says, command it to go. You see in this passage, they begged Jesus not to send them out of the country. And they begged him to send them into the pigs, and Jesus did, and they enter the pigs, and they, they run uh, right into the water, and they're drowned. And this is unique to this story. And there are other times where Jesus delivers... Um, and they just says, depart and go. But I believe this is an important thing. Because in Revelation 12, we see that we live in this time. Revelation 12 says, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that this time is short. The age that we are in right now is that the battle has been won. There's victory in Jesus. We know the outcome, but we're in this in-between time where the enemy has been thrown down for a certain amount of time. And so when it comes to deliverance, it's not like we're destroying the demons, but we have the power to send them away, I believe. We have the power to do exactly what Jesus did. And so Francis McNutt said, you command them to go. And if there's water around, I've seen people uh, send them to the water. If there's pigs around, you can try that and send them into the pigs and see what happens. But this is what Francis McNutt said. He said he would say, command them to go straight to Jesus, to dispose of you as he will and never come back. Send them to Jesus and let him deal with them. But then there's one last thing. We can command them, we can send them, but I want you to turn to Luke chapter 11. And this is so, so important, and this is where I want to end today. Luke chapter 11. Jesus talked about deliverance, and I believe he highlights one very important thing. He says, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, when there's freedom, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. And finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits, more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of the person is worse than the first. It's so important that when we bring deliverance, when we bring freedom into a person's life in the name of Jesus, 
Jesus is clear that it's like a house that has been cleaned out. And the question is, what will fill that house? Your house, your spiritual vacuum, there's a spiritual void in your life. And the question is, who or what will fill that space? And it is so important as you pray for somebody and there's deliverance to make sure that they're filled with the love of Jesus, that they're filled with the Holy Spirit, that you pray over them and you say, receive and be filled with the Holy Spirit, every nook and cranny. Because if we are not filled with the Holy Spirit, if we're not filled on a regular basis, the warning is clear that, that there are, there's, enemy, there's an enemy, there's demons that are out there, they're roaming around and they're like, okay, where's that space that I can fill? And if we don't fill that space again, they will return. And it says it will be worse than it was before. And so as we end this morning, it's so important to pray for people that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit. But I think the question that we have to ask ourselves too is who or what are we filling ourselves up with on a regular basis? Are we being filled by the Holy Spirit on a regular basis? Are we allowing God to fill every nook and cranny of our lives? As people who want to bring freedom, we have to remember that we have the authority of Christ, that we want to bring freedom. We want to see the kingdom of God come in powerful ways. And God has given us authority to command evil spirits to go, to send them away, but also fill people with the love and the hope of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. I want us to stand right now. One of the things that I want us to be as a community C.S. Lewis said this when it came to the, the demonic. He said, there's two equal heirs. One is to disbelieve their ex existence. The other is to believe and to have an unhealthy interest in them. You can doubt that they exist. That's a bad place to be. Or you can be overly fascinated with them. And that's a bad place to be. I'm not a person who thinks that there's a demon under every bush but I believe that some bushes have demons under them and we have to be prepared. And so the goal is that we would be people who are walking around our community with our hearts open to how the Spirit's gonna lead, our hearts broken for people who are, are filled with brokenness and also, more importantly, being people who wanna bring freedom into people's lives. And so I wanna pray over us. And I wanna, I want, I just really really wonder if we have the faith that we can do this in Christ. I think that there's a lot of doubt that enters in. It just says, nah, I can't do that. Well, I think if we have doubt, we're really looking at our own abilities. And yeah, our own abilities, we can't. But in Christ, we can. And so I want to pray that we would have faith. But I also know that that as we step into being people who want to see the kingdom of Jesus come, as we want to be people who proclaim the gospel, people who pray for people. I know if we are trying to be on the offensive for the glory of Jesus, the enemy is going to attack even more. And so I wonder today if, if there's anybody in this room that would just say, you know what, I'm stepping out. I want to see the, the kingdom of God come but I've just been attacked spiritually and I need prayer. I wonder if anybody just has felt like attacked spiritually over the last week or so. If that's you, would you just raise a hand? I see one over there. Anybody else just has felt attacked? 
He might even be like, okay, it's a, it might be an attack if there's a weirdness in, in life and just different things going on. If life just feels like a grind, if there's just, you know, struggles that come, you're being attacked. And I just want to pray for those with a hand raised. And I would pray for all of us that we'd be people of faith. So if somebody raised their hand next to you, just put a hand on their shoulder, ask them if you can. And I want to pray for us. God, oh, I just, Father, I just want to just declare just how much I hate the attacks of the enemy. The attacks that come of the, the one who wants to steal, kill, and destroy people's lives. Even as we look at this man's life uh, in Mark chapter 5, he was being tormented. I mean, that's what the enemy does. And Father, there are so many that are under the attack, so many under, the, under, under oppression, just, just constant spiritual attacks. And I just command whatever is attacking them to go in the name of Jesus. That it would be gone in the name of Jesus. That it would go into the desert and dry places and just be gone from these people's lives. And that you would fill them with the Holy Spirit. Fill them with power. Fill them with love. Fill every nook and cranny of their life. And God, we want to see your kingdom come. We want to see people set free. We want to see people delivered. We want to see, uh, Jesus, you working powerfully in people's lives. And so I ask that you would fill us with faith today. Fill us with faith that you have, have, have filled us with the Holy Spirit, that you have given us the Spirit to go and to, to, to bring freedom to people. And it's not us, but it's Jesus, you living in us and through us. And so we pray that the prayer that the man prayed, we believe but help our unbelief. And so in those areas of doubt, I ask, Lord, that you would fill us with faith. Fill us to overflowing. All with the goal. The only goal is that, Jesus, you would be so glorified. And so I just command doubt to go right now in Jesus' name. And that faith would rise up in each and every one of us. And we pray this all in your name, Jesus.